Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you would not mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 12. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 12. We are starting today a brand new series of Psalm 51, um, The Way Back to God. But before we can hit the psalm, we have to hit the historical context as a reminder that each of the psalms fit within the Bible in a historical context. There was uh, an occasion of why they were written, things that are going on that have prompted the psalmist to talk to God, to pray. For David, in Psalm 51, he is getting back to God. That means if he was getting back to God, there was a time that he got away from God. And we find this historically recorded for us in the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel, and we find our way to the book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 12. 2 Samuel and chapter number 12. Notice with me as we look in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 12. Let's pick it up in mid-story, 2 Samuel chapter 12. And notice with me in verse number 1. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he said unto him, and, <coughs> or he came unto him, and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. And the rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing, save one little ewe lamb, which he had brought and nourished it. And it grew up together with him, with his own children. And it did eat of his own meat, and drank out of his own cup, and lay in his bosom. And there was unto him a daughter. And there was a traveler unto the rich man. And he spared to take of his own flock, and of his own herd, to dress for the wayfaring man, that it was come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb, and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. And I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have moreover given unto thee such and such things, whereof thou hast despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thy house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee 
out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. And David therefore besought God for the child. And David fasted and went in and laid all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him and raised him up from the earth. But he would not, neither would he eat bread with him. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken to our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth, washed and anointed himself, and changed his apparel, and came to the house of the Lord, and worshipped. Then he came to his own house when he had required, and they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said the servants to him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive, but when the child is dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God would be gracious to me that the child may live? But now that he is dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Here we see this account of David's confrontation with Nathan. Nathan came and pointed his finger at David. And it was during this time here that David got back with God. It was during this time that Psalm 51 was written. Everyone's story is the same. It's about our response to God. Other people may be involved with the events of our life, but the story of our life is between our God and us. How is it with you and your God? David was a man that the nation admired, but he committed terrible sins. And for his time, his life became a trail of lust, lies, and murders. The amazing miracle was his return to God. And so if you don't mind, let us recount this account. We kind of jumped right in the middle of the story. So the first thing I'd like to show you is the fall of the king. The fall of the king. Now what happens is we see it recorded in the chapter previous and for and 2 Samuel chapter number 11. If you don't mind, may I just tell you the story of what happens in 2 Samuel chapter number 11? It came time where it was a time to go to war. It was a time where the uh, armies were going to war. And David, instead of going out to war, stayed home. My generals can take care of it. I am fine. And so now he's got time on his hands. You know one of the most dangerous times in your life is when you have time? 
That's when your mind can think. That's when you're easily susceptible to temptation is when you have time. And so David, as he has time, he goes up into the top of his palace and he looks down surveying his kingdom. And there on a rooftop was a beautiful lady by the name of Bathsheba. Now, may I take a pause here? Back in the ancient world, they had different things going on. They did not have indoor plumbing. So what they did is they would put their bath on top of the roof. Now, most people's roofs were so high that you couldn't see on top of it. So for most people, it was private. And so you would put water out, let the sun warm it up. And then at the evening, when it was warm, you would take a bath. Well, because David's palace is higher than everyone else, for Bathsheba, she thought she had privacy, but she did not. And so David looks down and sees this girl. And remember, it's not the first glance that is sin. It's the second. It's when it lingers. And so he looks down and he sees her. Instead of turning his eyes and saying, you know what? I'm going to go somewhere else. He stayed and looked. She's pretty. She's very pretty. Hey, who, who is she? Did some inquiries found out about her. Her name's Bathsheba. She's the wife of one of the greatest warriors that you have. Well, that should have been enough for him to say, you know what? Nah, never mind. But he says, you know, her husband's gone. She's pretty. I've got time. So he called her to himself and they had an affair. Here's David, the king of all of Israel, and now he's messing around with his, one of his top fighters' wives. Well, it came time after that that she sent a note to David and said, David, I'm expecting. Well, this is a problem because her husband's been gone for a while going to war. And now, whenever sin gets involved, when you're not right with God, the next thing comes the cover-up. We don't want our sin exposed, so we begin to lie. We do everything we can to bury the thing, to make it go away. But sin is never easily buried. Be sure your sin will find you out. And so David said, let's cover this up. So he sent to his generals and said, hey, give me Uriah and get him back here. Hey, Uriah, you are a great warrior you go home, you deserve a little leave and vacation. You go ahead and go spend some time with your wife. You see what David's trying to do? He's trying to confuse the issue and trying to say, no, 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 it was Uriah. But Uriah being a faithful warrior, notice with this on me in 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11. So David tells Uriah, go home, take a break. But Uriah doesn't go. So David says, hey, dude. He probably used the word dude back then, I'm sure. Why aren't you going home? I'm giving you a break from the battlefield. Notice what Uriah said in 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 11. 2 Samuel 11, 11. And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah abide in tents. And my Lord Joab and the servants of my Lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go into my house 
and eat and drink and lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. Here's Uriah, the faithful warrior. David says, why don't you go back? I'm giving you permission. He says, how can I? My brothers, my captain, my countrymen, my nation is fighting a battle. Why they're fighting a battle, how can I sit down and relax? They're off to war. Why in the world should I not be in the battle with them? I'm not going to take ease. I want to get back to the battle. Well, so much for having the greatest warrior in your army, the one with integrity, the one that says, I'm not going to relax while everyone's in a battle. Praise the Lord for Uriah, huh? But that bodes the problem with David. Uriah won't go home. He wants to cover this thing up, but Uriah won't go home. Ugh. So what David does is he writes a note to his general Joab. Joab, I want you to put Uriah in the front of the heaviest part of the fighting. And I want you to lead him to lead the charge. And then when the battle is the heaviest, I want you to retreat all the forces except for Uriah. And let Uriah be all by himself surrounded by the enemy. So that Uriah dies. You want to know how trusted Uriah was? David took the note, sealed it, gave it to Uriah and said, go give this to your boss. And Uriah carried his own execution orders to his captain. He didn't know what it said, but David knew he wouldn't open it up and read it. He would be obedient. And he gave it to Joab. Joab looks and says, all right. And so they did. They had... Joe, uh, Uriah get into the midst of the battle. Uriah, I'm counting on you. You need to go take this wall. You go take this. Go. Here's your troops. We're right behind you. We've got your back. And so they go and they begin to fight and they're winning. And then Joab recalls the rest of the backup, the reinforcements. And Uriah's fighting and sees that he's all by himself and the rest of his men begin to fall and there's no backup. And he's fighting until finally the enemy overtakes him. And Uriah dies. Why? Because of a cover-up. David committed a sin. Bathsheba's pregnant. Uriah refused to go back when he had permission because his countrymen was at war. He was going to be a good soldier, enduring hardness. So finally, David said, the only way to fix this, so no one will find out, is to kill Uriah. And so Uriah died. There was a time of mourning where Bathsheba officially had to cry over her husband. And as soon as that was done, David and her got married with the hopes that no one could count. One month, two months, three months. So they had a wedding ceremony. They're married. And David almost feels like he got away with it. The problem was, is because of his sin, he's no longer close to God anymore. There's a distance between him and God. And by the way, that's what this story is about. It's not about David and Uriah or David and Bathsheba. It is David and God. And David is not right with God and he's miserable. But he's trying to hide it because he doesn't want anyone to know 
that he's wrong with God. He doesn't want anyone to know that he was sinned. He didn't want anyone to know that he was responsible for murder. But God knew. God knew. Which brings us to the second thing. The fourfold story. Uh, the fourfold judgment of God. The fourfold judgment of God. Which brings us to chapter number 12. In chapter number 12, the preacher comes up to David and says, David, I've got a story for you. David says, tell us. And so notice this story in chapter 12 and verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David and said unto him, or came to him and said to him, there were two men in one city, one rich and another poor. So the preacher says, David, I've got a story to tell you. This, this is something that happened. There was two men in a city. One was rich. He had lots of land, lots of sheep, lots of everything. But there was a poor guy. And this poor man had nothing except for one little ewe lamb. A ewe lamb is a small baby female lamb. And you know what? They love that lamb. That lamb became like a pet. Some of you have pets. I mean, they petted the lamb. The lamb would sleep with them at night. They would feed the lamb at the table. I mean, this is the family pet. This isn't a sheep that's in the backyard that you're planning on. This is their personal pet. This baby ewe lamb. And his children grew up with it. So the kids grew up petting. Oh, we love Lammy. Oh, this is great. We love Lammy. And they would hug Lammy. And they, the whole family, this was there. It was like a member of the family that when they ate supper, the lamb ate supper with them. It was part of their family. And when the family drank water, the cup drank water. And when they laid down, the, the lamb laid down with them. And it said the lamb was as close to, to the family. It was like a daughter. They was one of the family. Oh, but a traveler came. The traveler came to the rich man. By the way, we'll talk about this in a different sermon when we talk about the life of David. But I want you to think between now and then, who is the traveler? So we come and a traveler comes to the rich man and and as is custom, whenever someone would receive someone in their house, it's proper to play host to take care of their needs. So this traveler came, so now we've got to prepare a meal for him. Well, lamb is a great delicacy of honor, so let's make lamb. But the rich man didn't want to do anything with his lambs. These are my lambs. I don't want to give it to the traveler. So let's go take the lamb of someone else. So he went down and by force and by order, he took that little ewe lamb from the family who only had that one lamb. The one that was the pet. The one that ate family with him. The one that felt like a family member. And they took that ewe lamb, they killed it, and they fed it to the traveler. Well, David hears this story and he's upset. How dare that rich man do that? How dare them? Notice what David says in verse number 5. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold. Because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then one of the most famous lines in all of the Bible. And Nathan said to David, thou Art 
the man. Could you imagine? David's already been in conviction. And the reason why he responds like this is because he's under conviction. Whenever you're convicted of something, you hate the sins that everyone else is doing the same that you did. You hate. Thieves hate other thieves. Liars hate other liars. Because it reminds them of their sin. And David's already been convicted. And when he hears about this, oh, that man shall surely die. He shall restore it fourfold. And Nathan, the prophet, the preacher, puts his own bony finger in the king's face and said, Thou art the man. You did this. You are that man. You imagine what David would feel like when the preacher's pointing him out and said, This is you. You're the sinner. It's awful when that conviction happens, but it's necessary. So, Nathan explains that he is the king. He's the master. He's the one with all the rich. He had as much as he wanted. Then he explained that the poor man, that was Uriah. And the ewe lamb, that was Bathsheba. And he took Bathsheba. David had lots of wives. He had, and if he needed more, God says, I'll just ask, I would have gave you more. But you weren't satisfied with what you had, and you had to go take someone else's. And you stole Bathsheba from Uriah. And that's not right. You are the man. And not only that, David said that, the, that whoever that man is has to restore it fourfold. And that's exactly what happened. First of all, the baby died. And we saw that in the account. Part of that judgment that came down is that David's son died. That baby died. The second thing that happened as a result of this, by the way, when we get to this um, series in just a couple weeks, I'm going to keep track of all the consequences on the whiteboard. We're going to trace it all. Just because of David's one sin, everything that happened because of that one sin. Second thing that happened is that one of David's sons raped his sister. Second consequence. Third consequence is that Absalom killed the brother that raped the sister. Third consequence. Fourth consequence is that Absalom led a rebellion against David. And then Absalom died. Fourth consequence. There was a fourfold judgment. Because David did that one sin, it led to a cover-up. The cover-up led to a murder. The, all of this now was pointed out. And now there's going to be consequences with four major endings. Three sons will die one sister will be raped. Is that the type of consequences you would like for your family? May I tell you a principle? Your sin will find you out. The Bible says, Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You understand the principle of reaping and sowing. That if I plant a corn in the ground, I will reap later than what I planted, right? If I plant, it's not going to grow in a couple hours. It's going to grow some other time later. But I will also reap more than I sowed. 
when I plant a corn in the, piece of corn in the ground, I'm not just getting one corn, am I? I'm getting a whole stock. You understand? David had one sin that multiplied into consequences that affected so many other people. So will your sin. Be sure that your sin will find you out. You said, this is horrible. It is horrible. But may I show you one last thing? The forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin. Notice with me in verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. David confessed, 1 John 1, 9, If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Oh, aren't you glad that's in the book? That's what Psalm 51 is. Psalm 51 is David's confession of sin so he could get right with God. And because he confessed his sin, God was willing to forgive his sin. May I also remind you that because God forgives you of your sins, it doesn't necessarily get rid of consequences. The consequences remain. The forgiveness of sins allowed David to have fellowship with God once again. To restore his fellowship with God, which is the most important thing. Because remember, as I told you, this is not dealing with David and Bathsheba, David and Uriah, or David and his children. This is dealing with David and his God. And David sinned. And because he sinned, there's consequences. But David was able to confess his sin and get right with God and have fellowship with God once again. That is the hope that we have, is that we can be restored to fellowship with God. No matter what you've done, you can be restored. It doesn't necessarily erase consequences, but you can have fellowship with God. You can be right with God again. And God wants you to be right. There is a way back to God. And we need to know how to get back with God for the times that we do sin. And we need to learn how to get back to Him quickly. In fact, the best thing to do is to learn to be able to daily get right with God. That Be so sensitive to God that as soon as you mess up, to go to God immediately and to get right with Him. Because there's great consequences for our sin. The things that you thought you got away with, they'll come back. The things that you think you have hidden, they will find you out. All sin has consequences. Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. It will take you a lot further than you ever wanted to travel. And it will cost you a whole lot more than you ever wanted to pay. Be sure your sin will find you out. But the good news is, is that we can get right with God. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.